0: To get started visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Tonight I continue the story King Arthur and his knights. So lie down, close your eyes and let me read you a story. The adventure of King Pelinor. In Arthur's court, every knight or lady who was found unworthy was banished, yet it often took some time to discover one's real character. One of the ladies of Arthur's court was named Vivian. She was very pretty and as graceful as a willow wand, and so bright and attractive in her ways that no one suspected her. Of being very wicked. Among Arthur's bravest warriors was King Pellinore. He had once had a great fight with Arthur, but after that they had become friends, and King Pellinore had been made a knight of the Round Table. He was not often at court, for he spent much of his time seeking for adventures. Now and then he would return and put away his armor. Then he rode with the ladies or talked to the other knights. The Lady Vivian admired King Pellinor for his valour and his mighty deeds, and whenever she could, she talked with him about his adventures. One afternoon, she begged him to go for a long ride with her through the forest. So their horses were brought, and they set forth. Just as they were passing a thick part of the wood, "'a beautiful golden-haired lady stepped out. "'Good sir knight,' she cried to King Pelinor, "'I ask your help. "'I am here in the wood with the dear lord who is to be my husband. "'He is sore wounded, for an enemy crept up behind him "'as we were riding to Arthur's court and thrust a sword in his back.' "'Then King Pellinore turned his horse's head towards the maiden. "'Gladly will I help,' he said. "'Lead me, maiden.' But Vivian called him back. Do not go with her, she said. She may be a witch. Ride on with me. She is no witch, but a good maiden, said King Pellinore. Then the golden-haired lady spoke again. O, Sir Knight, help me. I must go to Arthur's court to see my father. My dear lover is going to ask permission to marry me. Help us, or he will die. Assuredly, I will help you, damsel, said King Pellinore. Vivian held his arm, but he put her gently aside. When the wicked woman saw that he was going to leave her, she made her horse plunge and throw her to the ground. There she lay as if in a faint. King Pellinore did not know what to do. He felt as if he must help the beautiful lady, and yet he could not leave Vivian. So he said, Fair damsel, you shall have my help. I have never wanted to aid anyone so much as I do you. I must save your lover and bring you both to Arthur's court. But let me first ride back with this lady who is swooned. Then I will return here to you. Alas! Alas, I fear it will be too late, cried the damsel, turning back into the forest. Then King Pellinore lifted Vivian on her horse, and tied her to its back by her long green scarf. At this, she opened her eyes and groaned and said that she was very sick. She made him ride very slowly to the court. King Pelinor did not talk to her. He was thinking all the time of the golden haired maiden. As soon as he reached the city gate, he gave Vivian over into the care of a knight who was passing and galloped back through the woods. When he reached the spot where the beautiful damsel had spoken to him, he turned into the thick part of the wood and followed a narrow path. It was so narrow that the branches of the trees on both sides struck his shoulders, but still he hurried on. The path ended in a glade, and there he saw the lady and her lover lying on the grass. Alas, alas, the lady said, my dear lord is dead, and I am dying. Then King Pellinore saw that the fair young knight who lay on the ground was very pale and quiet, and that all the grass about was bloodstained. "'Ah, good night,' said the lady. "'After you left me, a lion ran out of the wood "'and slew my lover with one stroke of his paw. "'He has wounded me so sorely that I too shall die.' "'Then King Pellinore wept. "'I wish that I had made Vivian wait here,' he said, "'and had helped you. "'I fear I have done wrong.' "'He sat down and took her golden head on his knee.' and spoke to her gently till she died then he put her body and her lover's body on his horse and walked beside them sorrowfully until he reached arthur's court near the great hall he met arthur and merlin and several knights i am a miserable man he said then the wise merlin said you are more miserable than you know this beautiful lady was your own daughter who was stolen from you as a child Only lately she learned who her father was. She was coming here to seek you. Then King Pellinore wept loudly. This is my punishment, he cried, for not aiding the maiden. The one who needs help most should be given it first, and she needed it more than Vivian. I am indeed punished. And you shall be punished yet more, said Merlin. And in good time, Vivian also, for the part she took. Some day the friend whom you most trust shall deceive you, and you shall be betrayed to death. King Pellinore bowed his head meekly. "I have deserved it," he said. and now I must bury my dear child and her lover. The beautiful golden-haired lady and her lover were buried with great mourning, and it was many a day before King Pellinore cared to seek for adventures. Sir Lancelot and his friends. Sir Lancelot was acknowledged by all the knights of the round table to be the bravest of their number and the one whom the king loved most. He was not often at court because he was nearly always engaged in adventures which took him away from the town of Camelot. The knights were always sorry when he went away yet they were sure he would return safely and with much to tell them. One day Sir Lancelot called his nephew Sir Lionel and told him to mount his horse, for they must go to seek adventures. Sir Lionel was very glad, for it was a great honour to be chosen as a companion by Sir Lancelot. They rode off through a deep forest and then across a wide treeless plain. The sun was shining hot and bright. And when they reached a clump of trees, Sir Launcelot bade Sir Lionel dismount. Then the two sat in the shade to rest. It was not long before Sir Launcelot fell asleep. While Sir Lionel kept guard, he saw three knights furiously pursued by another knight who was very large. This knight overtook the three knights one after another, and overthrew them, and bound them by the reins of their bridles. Sir Lionel, who was young and self-confident, thought that he would like to fight with this knight, so he mounted his horse very quietly without waking his uncle and rode into the plain. When the big knight saw him coming, he laughed and rode up quickly. At the very first stroke, young Sir Lionel fell to the earth. The strong knight bound him fast to the other three knights and drove them all to his castle. There he took off their armor and clothes and beat them with thorny sticks. After that he threw them into a deep dungeon where there were many other knights. Meanwhile, Sir Hector, the foster father of King Arthur, hearing that Sir Lancelot and Sir Lionel had gone in search of adventures, determined to join them, so he rode hastily in pursuit. When he had gone some distance through the forest, he met a woodcutter and asked him if he had seen Sir Lancelot and Sir Lionel. The man replied that he had not. Then do you know of any adventure which I can seek? asked Sir Hector. The man answered, Sir, a mile from here is a strong castle. On one side of it is a large stream, and by that stream a large tree. At the foot of the tree is a basin of copper. Go and strike on that three times with your spear, and you will meet with an adventure. Thank you, heartily, said Sir Hector. He rode on and soon came to the tree. Hanging on it were a great many shields, and among them Sir Lionel's. There were also shields which belonged to other knights of the round table. Sir Hector knew that the knights must be prisoners, and he grew very angry. He struck sharply on the copper basin, and at once a huge knight appeared. Come forward and fight cried the knight. That I will, said Sir Hector. But I shall win, said the knight, for I am the great Sir Tarquin. Sir Hector had heard of this powerful knight, whom so many of Arthur's lords had tried in vain to overthrow. But he was a brave old man, and so he began to fight fearlessly. He wounded the big knight once, but the big knight wounded him many times and at last overcame him he picked sir hector up and carried him under his right arm into the castle you are very brave he said when they had reached the great hall you are the first knight who has wounded me these 12 years now i shall give you your freedom if you will swear to be a follower of mine i shall never swear that said sir hector i am a follower of king arthur I am sorry for that, said Sir Tarquin, for now I must treat you as I do all my other prisoners. Then he took off Sir Hector's armour and clothes and beat him with a thorny stick and threw him into the dungeon. There the old man found Sir Lionel and many other knights. Is Sir Lancelot here? asked Sir Hector feebly. No, said Sir Lionel, and told him how he had left Sir Lancelot sleeping. Then Sir Hector became cheerful. Sir Lancelot will surely find us, he said, and give us our freedom. But Sir Lancelot still slept under the tree. Soon four beautiful ladies rode by, and seeing a sleeping knight, dismounted to look at him. They at once recognized him as Sir Lancelot, the bravest knight in the land. One of these ladies was Morgan Le Fay, whom Arthur had forgiven for her treachery to him. She said to her companions, I will cast a spell over him, and we will carry him to my castle. Then when he wakes, we will make him choose one of us as his wife. The other three agreed, and Morgan Le Fay cast her spell. Then the four women lifted the knight upon his horse, and went with him to the castle of Morgan Le Fay. They put the knight in a richly decorated chamber, and left him. In the morning he awoke and wondered where he was. Soon a fair damsel entered with food, and he asked her to explain how he came to be in that place. Sir, I cannot, she said, but I can tell you this much. You are under a spell. In twelve hours the spell will break, and perhaps I can help you then. After the damsel had gone out, the four ladies entered. They were clad in most beautiful robes. One had on silk that looked like the foam of the sea. Another had on velvet that seemed like moss from the forest. The third wore satin that was the color of maple leaves in autumn. Morgan Le Fay wore a robe that looked like a storm cloud, and her diamonds were like stars. Choose one of us for your wife, she said, and you shall be very happy. But Sir Lancelot said, Fair ladies, I have no wish to marry. I would rather fight for my good King Arthur who needs me. At this the ladies were angry. You shall stay here till you choose, they said, and if you will not choose, then you will die in prison. They went out, and Sir Launcelot remained alone all day. At dusk the fair damsel came to him. My lord, she said, the spell is now broken, and I can help you. These ladies are not kind to me, and I am going to run away. I will take you with me on one condition. Name it, damsel, he said. I am a king's daughter, she said. My father is King Bagdemagus. He is a good man, Sir Launcelot said. I know him well. My father has been fighting in a tournament, said the maiden, and has been overcome with all his knights. He feels very sad. Now in two days there will be another tournament at which he must fight. If you help him, he will surely win and be happy again. I will gladly help him, said Sir Launcelot. And then the damsel bade him walk softly with her. She opened twelve great doors, one after another. Each had a lock with a key so heavy that the maiden had to use both hands to turn it. At last they reached the courtyard and there she gave Sir Lancelot his horse and armour. She also mounted a horse, and the two rode away. After riding all night, they came to the court of King Bagdemagus. He was overjoyed to welcome Sir Lancelot, for well he knew that none could overcome that good knight in combat. All day there was music and dancing and feasting. Sir Lancelot, however, could not be merry he kept thinking of his nephew Sir Lionel and wondering where he was. On the morning of the tournament, Sir Lancelot asked King Bagdemagus to furnish him with a white shield because he did not want to be known. The king did so, and also gave each of the three knights who rode with him a shield of the same colour. Sir Lancelot went with the knights into a leafy wood near the field where the tournament was to be held. Meanwhile, King Bagdemagus wrote to the tournament with sixty men and met there the King of Northgalis with eighty men. They began to fight, and soon those on the side of King Bagdemagus began to be worsted. Then Sir Lancelot, with the three knights, dashed out of the little wood and into the thick of the fight. No one could stand against Sir Lancelot. One of King Arthur's knights, Sir Modred, the brother of Sir Gawain and Sir Gareth, was fighting against King Bagdemagus. Not knowing who Sir Lancelot was, he rushed upon him. Sir Lancelot unhorsed him, but would not hurt him, because he was a knight of the round table. Years afterward, he was sorry he had not killed him, for Sir Modred proved to be a traitor to King Arthur. Sir Lancelot fought so well, that for his sake, all the prizes of the tournament were given to King Bagdemagus, who was greatly rejoiced and offered large gifts to Sir Lancelot and begged him to be his guest for a time. But Sir Lancelot was so anxious to find out what had become of Sir Lionel that he could not remain. So the next day he set forth. He rode back towards the clump of trees where he had fallen asleep while Sir Lionel kept watch. On the highway he met a damsel riding on a white palfrey. Fair damsel, said Sir Lancelot, can you tell me of any adventures hereabouts? I am Sir Lancelot of the lake. Oh, Sir Lancelot, said she, it is indeed fortunate that you have come. For there is here a knight named Sir Tarquin, who has put in prison many of the knights of the round table. You shall fight with him for the freedom of your friends. Then she turned her horse, and Sir Lancelot gladly followed her she brought him to the tree on which hung the shields of his brother knights. Sir Lancelot let his horse drink a little water, and then he struck on the iron basin at the foot of the tree, so fiercely that the bottom fell out. No one appeared, however. Then he rode up to the castle of Sir Tarquin. Near the gate he met the big knight. He was on foot, driving his horse before him. On the horse lay a knight securely bound. Sir Launcelot recognized him as Sir Gerharris, the brother of Sir Gawain and Sir Gareth. Put down the knight," said Sir Launcelot. "Mount and fight." Gladly said Sir Tarquin. Before long, you'll be sorry for your challenge. Then the two rode at each other; their horses' feet beat the dust into clouds. And they used their swords so fiercely that their armor rang continually like the clanging of heavy bells. They fought until they were breathless, each bleeding from many wounds. Then Sir Tarquin, leaning on his sword, said, By my faith, never have I fought with such a strong man before. I admire you, and would be your friend. You fight as they say that knight does whom I hate most in all this world. If you are not that knight, I give you my friendship, and shall free all my prisoners for your sake. That is well said, replied Sir Lancelot. Tell me who this knight is whom you hate so much. He is Sir Lancelot of the Lake. For hatred of him I kill or imprison all the knights of the round table whom I can find. Then let us begin to fight again, said Sir Lancelot, for I am Sir Lancelot of the Lake. Then they struck at each other furiously, and soon gave each other so many wounds that the ground was covered with blood. Sir Tarquin was a brave man, but he was not so strong as Sir Lancelot. After a long conflict, he fell, mortally wounded, to the ground. Then Sir Lancelot unlaced his helmet and eased him as well as he could till he died. Afterwards, he left Sir Tarquin and went to the porter who held the keys of the castle. Sir Launcelot took the keys and unlocked the doors of the prison. He led the poor knights out into the daylight and struck off their chains. Sir Lionel and Sir Hector were overjoyed to see their deliverer was indeed Sir Launcelot. Each knight found his own armour in the armoury and his own horse in the stables. After that a servant came with four horses laden down with venison, and the poor knights, who for a long time had had nothing but bread and water, Enjoyed a good meal, then Sir Lancelot rode away in search of new adventures. How Sir Lancelot saved the queen. One day in May, Queen Guinevere invited ten ladies and ten knights to ride a maying with her the next morning in the woods. So at the appointed time, they assembled, all dressed in green silk and green velvet the colour of young grass. The knights wore white plumes in their helmets, and the ladies wore white may blossoms in their hair. They rode off very happily, telling the king that they would return before noon. Now the good king Bagdemagus, for whom Sir Lancelot had fought, had a bad son named Sir Malgrace. For a long time he had wanted to capture the queen and carry her off to his castle. He had been afraid to try, however, because of her large bodyguard. All the young knights at the round table liked to ride with her and protect her. They took good care of all the ladies of the court, but they loved the queen the most. When Sir Malgrace heard that the queen was out amaying with only a few knights, and these not fully armed, he determined to take her prisoner. So he called together eighty men-at-arms and a hundred archers, and set out. Soon he came upon her and her attendants. They were sitting on a little hill with wreaths of flowers and leaves on their arms and necks. Before they could rise to their feet, Sir Malgrace and his men dashed upon them. Traitor, cried the Queen, what would you do? I will carry you to my castle, fair queen, he said, and never again shall you go free. I will not go with you, said the Queen. Then the ten knights drew their swords and set on the hundred and eighty men of Sir Malgrace. They fought so well that they overthrew forty. Still, they could do little against such numbers, and soon all were wounded. When the queen saw this, she cried out, Sir Malgrace, do not slay my noble knights, and I will go with you. I would rather die than cause them further harm. The knights said that they would rather perish than be prisoners to Sir Malgrace. However, upon an order from their lord, the archers tied up the wounds of the queen's followers and put them on horseback. Then the whole company rode slowly towards the castle of Sir Malgrace. Sir Malgrace kept close to the queen for fear she would escape. Once, when they were in a thick part of the wood, he rode ahead to break the branches so that they should not strike her face. Then the queen whispered to a little maiden who rode near her, If you can do so, Slip away from the company. You are so small that perhaps they will not notice you. Take this ring and give it to our greatest knight, Sir Launcelot, and pray him to come and rescue me. The little maid waited until she thought the time for escape had come and rode off as quietly as she could. Sir Mulgrave saw her go and suspected that the Queen had sent her. He ordered his archers to shoot at the child. But she escaped unhurt, Madam said, Sir Malgrace to the Queen. I know well that you have sent for Sir Launcelot, but you may be sure that hither he shall never come then Sir Malgrace ordered his archers to stand guard on the road and shoot down any knight they saw. But if he should be Sir Launcelot, he said, be sure that you do not venture very close to him, for he is hard to overcome. meantime a little maid reached Arthur's court in safety. She found the king and his knights very anxious because the queen had not returned. She told her story and gave the queen's ring to Sir Lancelot. "'Bring me my armor,' shouted Sir Lancelot. "'I will rescue my good and dear queen before the night falls. "'I would rather see her safe here again than own all of France.' He put on his armor and mounted his white horse and rode off without delay the little maid led him to the place where the ten knights had fought the hundred and eighty. From this point he traced them by the blood on the grass and on the road. At last he reached the archers. Turn back, they said. No one may pass here. That I will not, said Sir Lancelot. I am a knight of the round table and therefore have the right of way throughout the land. At that they shot their arrows at him. He was wounded with many of them, and his white horse was killed. Sir Lancelot tried to reach the men, but there were so many hedges and ditches in the way that he could not. They hastened back to tell Sir Malgrace that a knight whom they had not succeeded in killing was coming to the castle. Sir Lancelot tried to walk, but his armour was too heavy for him to carry in his wounded state. He dared not leave any of it behind, for he would need it all in fighting. Just as he was wondering what he could do, a carter passed him, driving a rough wagon. Carter, said Sir Lancelot, let me ride in your wagon to the castle of Sir Malgrace." The carter was amazed, for that day a knight never entered into a cart unless he was a condemned man going to be hanged. Sir Lancelot, however, did not stop to explain. He jumped into the cart and told the driver to go quickly. Some of the ladies of Queen Guinevere were looking out of their window, and one said to her, See, my queen, there is a poor knight going to be hanged. The queen looked out of the window and recognized Sir Lancelot with the three lions blazoned upon his shield. She was overjoyed, and waved him a glad greeting as he came up to the castle gate. Sir Lancelot beat on the gate with his shield and cried, Come out, false traitor, Sir Malgrace, come out and fight. If you do not, you'll be branded as a coward forever. At first, Sir Malgrace thought that he would keep his gates shut fast and not answer the challenge. But in those days it was a sign of great cowardice not to accept a challenge. Moreover, since Sir Launcelot had been able to reach the castle in spite of the archers, he was afraid other knights of the round table might do the same. Then they would besiege him and force him to surrender. Still he was afraid to fight. So he went to Queen Guinevere and said, Fair Queen, remember how I saved your ten knights when I could have killed them. Now I am sorry I took you prisoner. I beg that you will go to Sir Lancelot and urge him not to fight. Then I will entertain him in this castle with the best I have, and tomorrow you shall all go back to the court. Then the Queen said, Peace is always better than war. I will do the best I can. So she went down to Sir Lancelot, who still beat upon the gate, and besought him to come in peaceably, for Sir Malgrace was sorry for what he had done. Sir Lancelot was unwilling, for he knew that Sir Malgrace was a traitor, deserving punishment. Still, he could not refuse the queen anything she asked him, and therefore he entered the castle. Sir Malgrace greeted him with politeness and served to him and to the others of Arthur's court a great banquet. After that, to the surprise of everyone, he rose and accused the Queen of treason. All the company was astonished. Sir Lancelot was very angry. If you say the Queen is a traitress, he cried, you shall fight with me, although you were afraid just now. I am not afraid to fight, said Sir Malgrace. When and where? Will you meet me in combat? Asked Sir Launcelot. In eight days, replied Sir Malgrace. In the field near Westminster. Sir Launcelot agreed to this. Then Queen Guenever rose with all her attendants and went into the courtyard. Their horses were brought them and they mounted. Sir Launcelot was the last to pass out of the banquet hall. As he was going through the door, he stepped upon a trap which Sir Malgrace had prepared for him. The trapdoor fell and dropped him into a dark dungeon. When the queen and her knights and ladies had ridden out of the courtyard, they noticed that Sir Launcelot was not with them. They supposed, however, that he had ridden off by himself, as was often his custom. So they went without him to Camelot and told the king what had happened. He was very angry at Sir Maulgrace's accusation, but he was sure that Sir Launcelot would punish Sir Maulgrace and so vindicate Guinevere. Meantime, the unhappy Sir Lancelot lay bruised in the dungeon, feeling very sure that Sir Malgrace meant to starve him to death. He lay hungry and thirsty for nearly two days. Then Sir Malgrace peeped in to see if he were dead. Ah, traitor, cried Sir Lancelot, I shall overcome you yet. At that, Sir Malgrace shut the trapdoor hastily as if he were afraid that Sir Launcelot could leap up ten feet in the air. That one look, however, cost the wicked knight dare, for the daughter of the porter saw him shutting the trapdoor and was curious to know who was in the dungeon. So at night she opened the trapdoor and let herself down by a rope. When she saw Sir Launcelot, she was very sorry for him. He offered her much money if she would free him. At last she said, I will do it for love of Queen Guinevere and not for money. She let him climb up the rope and took him out of the courtyard. He was so sick that he went to a hermit's hut and rested for several days. When next Sir Malgrace looked into the dungeon, he heard no movement. Then he rejoiced greatly, for he thought Sir Lancelot was dead. When the eighth day had come, all the knights of the round table assembled in the tournament field and waited for Sir Launcelot to appear. They all thought he would surely come. But Sir Malgrace rode jauntily about the field. Many of the knights wondered at his courage, not knowing the reason for his confidence. The herald blew his trumpet once, but Sir Launcelot did not appear. Twice, and still he did not come. Then up started several knights and begged the king to let them fight instead of Sir Lancelot. He has been trapped, they said, or he would be here. While the king was hesitating whom to choose, in rode Sir Launcelot. He dashed up to Sir Malgrace. Here I am, traitor, he said. Now do your worst. Then they fought. But at the first stroke, Sir Malgrace fell to the earth. Mercy, he cried. I yield to you, Sir Knight. Do not slay me. I put myself in the king's hands and yours. Sir Launcelot was much vexed. He wanted to kill Sir Malgrace for his treachery, and yet, since the man had asked for mercy, he could not. So he said, What, coward, would you stop already? Shame upon you, get up and fight. I shall not rise unless you take me as one who has yielded, answered the knight. Then Sir Launcelot said, Traitor, I make you this offer. I will take off my helmet, unarm my left side, and tie my left hand behind my back. In that way I will fight with you. Upon hearing this, Sir Malgrace rose to his feet, sure now of killing Sir Lancelot. My lord king, cried Sir Malgrace, you have heard this offer. I accept. The king was very sorry that Sir Lancelot had made the offer. However, it was impossible to withdraw it. A squire came and disarmed Sir Lancelot so that his head and left side were without cover and since he had only one arm to fight with, he could not use his shield. Then Sir Malgrace dashed at him, aiming for his left side. Sir Launcelot waited till he was very near, and then lightly stepped aside. Before Sir Malgrace could turn, Sir Launcelot lifted his spear and struck his enemy such a blow that he broke his breastplate and pierced his heart. The body of Sir Malgrace was carried off the field, and taken to the castle of his good father. Queen Guinevere was proclaimed innocent of treason, and Sir Lancelot was honoured more than ever by his king and his queen. Good night.